1: Hello, I'm George Ellick and welcome to the weekend preview on the Athletic Football Podcast, sponsored by Bet365. On Fridays, we usually preview the best of the weekend's Premier League action, but as it's the international break, we'll mix it up a little bit. And I've got Bet365's Steve Freeth alongside me to help. Steve, I'm coming to you off on holiday in Madeira. Last night on my walk home, I walked past a statue of the great Cristiano Ronaldo. So I'm wondering, who is the best footballer born near to wherever you are at the moment? Don't throw that
2: at me. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think Stan Collymore was born in stone where um, I'm close to. So um, any,
1: any Stan statues around the corner from where you live? Uh, there, no, there isn't. No, no. But I think... I, I,
2: I seem to remember Stan Collarmore being, being born in stone. So maybe I'll, uh, I'll go with that. And then, of course, about half hour later, I'll remember a famous one. So, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, he, listen,
1: Stan was a great player in his day. Um, <laughs> yeah, sadly, normal host uh, Dan Bardell is under the weather today. So get well soon to Dan from all of us. And we look forward to having him back hosting with us next week. Uh, before looking he's, at the- uh,
2: he's suffering, George, only from last from Sunday at Spurs, isn't he? I presume. I know. A Bit of uh, yeah, I think Son give him a, give uh, the Villa boys a bit of treatment after they'd been talking about the top six. But you know me, Steve, if, It doesn't get love lower. S-
1: sticking the knife in somebody, can, no right of reply. He's lying <laughs> ill in bed, and you're having a go at him on the podcast. Absolutely outrageous. I, uh, I couldn't we, resist, George. Before we look ahead to the England action and international stuff, we're going to yeah. look quickly back at what happened last weekend and a couple of the outright markets uh, as well and how they've been affected. And of course, we have to start with the big game of last weekend, last Sunday afternoon, Liverpool 2, Manchester City 2, a game that we previewed on here. And uh, I mentioned how I thought that maybe the market had Uh, a little bit of disrespect towards Liverpool, but how this was going to be a game that was going to teach us a lot about two of the three sides who look most destined to get there. It was an incredible game, or I should say an incredible second half with, with Mo Salah scoring one of the goals of the season so far. From what you saw... How much do you reckon we learnt about both sides and their title credentials? Well, maybe that James Milner might not play um, too often in those type <laughs> of games.
2: And we did, tip, we did tip it up, didn't we, at 4 to one to be yeah. booked as well. Um, great career um, that he's had, of course, and he'll probably play uh, a lot more games in the future. But, I mean, as regards to the game, like you say, the second half was fantastic. You know, the first half, Manchester City dominating. I think uh, Liverpool only had one shot, didn't they? 0.01 of an XG against 0.52 for Manchester City. Um, and and Jurgen Klopp just saying basically that he just glad that there was such thing as half time where he could go in and just change a lot of things really and um, they come out firing and as a neutral George I absolutely really enjoyed the game but as regards of the of the outright not a great deal change really we started the weekend with Manchester City at even money Chelsea second best at eleven to four and Liverpool at seven to two and we finished with it at City at ten to eleven so in slightly into odds on Chelsea at five to two and Liverpool just slightly shortened at four to one. I think the biggest losers in the outright market were Manchester United, who who drifted out to to 16s in a in a weekend, well a Sunday, when there were so many crazy results all around all around Europe. I suppose the big factor from me, the Manchester City had an exhausting week, didn't they, against three sides of all quality. They'd won the XG battle all three games, and they conceded seven shots on target after facing Lukaku, Messi, Neymar, Mbappe, Salah, and Mane. So maybe Manchester City, the slight winners.
1: Yeah, I saw some Manchester United fans on Twitter saying it was a great result for them, and I admire their. You always uh, do <laughs> see Manchester United their, fans on Twitter, George. <laughs> I admire their optimism that a point between those two teams is a great result for them. You have to dream, don't you? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I've I've said on this podcast a lot that I'm, I'm I think Liverpool are the team. You know, they currently at four to one. Who look the value for me, but I do think having watched that, it was it was two moments of incredible individual quality from Salah that gave the Liverpool the lead twice. And in terms of the disparity between the two sides, even though it was Anfield, at Anfield, for the majority of the game, Manchester City were by far the better team in terms of the way that they were able to approach the game. We saw Jurgen Klopp in his post-match interview talking about how hard it is to cope with the way that Manchester City attack. And I think, yeah, probably my expectations of Liverpool being as close as I I thought they were to City were probably dampened even though they came so close to taking the three points I think we saw there just that there is a a quality gap possibly even between Manchester City uh, and the chasing pack Um, but certainly for Liverpool a a result that keeps them in the race um, but maybe a little bit humbling you know a couple of years ago in that incredible title race where both teams were were so so dominant at the top end of the table it felt like there was very little to choose between them I'm not necessarily sure that's the case now but I mentioned Salah because rightly so after that performance after that goal which I think is one of those goals that gets better every time you see it the, the balance the footwork um the incredible uh, just the way that he picks up the ball with his back to goal in that position to, to beat the players he beats the quality of defender and then get that finish away past edison was just remarkable um, a lot of talk and rightly so about him for for player of the year a lot of talk about him for top goal scorer how the markets reacted to that performance from salah
2: yeah, well, of course, there's been a lot of interest in Salah since that Sunday performance. George, listen, he has been sixteen to one to win the PFA for the second time in his career. I think he won it in 2018, but he's now into four to one joint favouritism with Ronaldo after he tied up a number of elite players up in knots like that goal that you you mentioned. And it was also his what's it his 45th, 46th assist for Liverpool with that Marnay goal as well. He's four to one joint favourite with Ronaldo. Uh, KDB at six to one. I'm not sure he can win it again Lukaku hasn't uh, Lukaku hasn't scored for a month he's eight to one Grealish on the drift at fourteen and then Phil Foden actually was nibbled into twenty five to one but yeah, clearly you can't just look at one game, but the guy just never gets injured does he i mean how many games <laughs> he, how, how many games has he missed over the years he's been absolutely incredible. Disciplinary wise, he's incredible. I think he averages one book in a season, and he averages and he's. I think he's already he's his booking for the season this season as well, and he more or less guarantees you twenty plus goals a season. Just look at it: thirty two goals, twenty two goals, 19, 22. He's already on six, and he's eleven to four, third favorite to be top goal scorer. I think that's. I think that should be shorter. Lukaku's favorite: twelve to five with Ronaldo at five to two. How often is Ronaldo going to play every week? Is he on penalties? Is Lukaku on penalties? Um, Salah will be on penalties, we know that. And he's a goal-scoring machine. I think he should be favourite for the Premier League Golden Boot, personally. I know he might miss a couple of games with um, the Cup of Nations, but maybe that's only two in Premier League games in January.
1: Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I think Afar's going to have a bet in that market, certainly the 11-4 Salah. It doesn't seem right that he's the least likely of the three there. So I'm in agreement. A double tip there for the, for the listeners between me and Steve there for Salah, 11-4. to four. I mean, there's, I think, correctly some talk about whether or not he is on form the best player in the world at the moment now. You know, he is 50-1 to for the Ballon d'Or. That's not going to happen because of the year he's had. But I'd be very interested to see prices early next year for him to win it next season because it does feel like there's a growing sentiment towards appreciating just how good he is. And given next season, we're going to have a World Cup right towards the back end of the year. It feels to me kind of ripe for somebody maybe who doesn't play for a country who are normally going to be vying for major honours at major tournaments uh, to, to get appreciated properly. So no betting there yet, but one to keep an eye on Salah. Certainly the cream of the crop at the moment, not only in the Premier League, but in world football as well. Uh, I was lucky enough to go to a Premier League game. It doesn't happen very often. It hasn't happened, I don't think, since around November 2019. But I was at West Ham uh, 1, Brentford 2, sitting on my hands in the in the home end whilst uh, probably wanting the away team to win uh, when they scored. Not more hospitality, late... was it, George? Not more hospitality? <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't. I, was, I went with a, with a Brentford supporting friend who couldn't get in the away end. Uh, I don't know if I should be admitting all this. I won't be allowed back next time. But it was... It was a remarkable game. You know, Brentford could have and should have been ahead before they went ahead 1-0. West Ham, as you'd imagine, the the, the pressure were on top throughout when they were 1-0 down with Jared Bowen scoring a lovely finish uh, with 10 minutes to go, only for one of the most incredible late winners I've seen. And what I loved the most about, the, I mean, for those who haven't seen it, it's a brilliant hit from Johan Visa, who's had an unbelievable year given in the summer he was... Uh, you know, he was victim of a of an acid attack and ended up having emergency eye surgery in the summer, only to then be signed by Brentford and and to be um, you know making his his first steps in Premier League football. That was his first Premier League goal, having scored a couple in the cup. So an amazing story around around Visa. But what I loved is that for the for the set piece before the goal, Jensen knowing it was going to be the last attack, just to ensure it would be the last attack, probably took about 10 seconds to take the free kick, wasting time as much as possible, letting the clock run down only for Visa's kick to be the last kick of the game to win the match, and incredible scenes in the away end. And Steve, it caps off what has been as good a start to a com- campaign from a promoted side as any we've really seen.
2: Yeah, it's been fantastic. We're not totally surprised, George, though, are we, from what we've seen in... No. You know, it, I in mean, the Championship. Listen, it's been great for Visa to come off the bench with with, with you know two massive goals for him. And I think he's been the last goal scorer in, in, you know, three games already this season. Maybe that could follow him in for the rest of the season doing that. But they were, from a bookmaking point of view, we thought they were the best of the three promoted sides coming up. So we're not that surprised. I am personally surprised that they've done this well. Well, they were 11 to 10 outsiders of three in the relegation market. Where are they now? I mean, Norwich were five to six and Watford were evens uh, in that market. They're out to eight to one in the relegation market, which I think says a lot. A point shorter than Leeds and two points shorter than Wolves, who who have done fairly well over recent seasons, Georgia. And only 11 to four for a top half finish for eight to one. Listen, I've probably been a little bit optimistic by talking about them finishing, you know, in the top six, but that's... That's a twenty to one shot. By no means am I expecting them to do what Forest and Newcastle did. I think it was in the nineties by finishing third. You know that you know coming up from uh, the second tier. That's a huge, huge ask. Um, even players like I mean, you know well you watched him a lot in the Championship. And Buemo has just been scoring goal after goal. He's even hit, hit the woodwork four times as well this season. You know he's 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 had a load of shots. He's just not been totally you know fortunate in getting more more on the score sheet so he's certainly to watch out playing in a different position and and Ivan Tony, he hasn't scored as many goals as, as as his backers would
1: like George but he's playing in a, a really unselfish role for the club at the moment isn't he? Yeah he is I mean you mentioned there um, Mbomo who's kind of profiting I think from Ivan Tony being the marked man you know you see defence is almost doubling up on Tony. And Tony is a striker who's very happy to run the channels. He's very happy to drift into wide areas, very happy to drop deep to collect the ball as well. And that means that somebody with Mbomo's um, strengths, where he's he's got very, very clever movement, he's got pace to run in behind, Uh, he's got a hell of a cannon of a shot as well. Um, I think he's being suited by playing against sides who don't look to sit in and frustrate Brentford. There's space behind for him to run into now. There's space behind for, I mean, Rico Henry was, Magnificent again at left back on on Sunday. He's one of my favourite players. I think he's England's third best left back by a street at the moment, and possibly should be vying for those two for for an England call up as well. Um, and the space for the for the wing backs to get in balls in behind. So in Bomo definitely profiting, and I agree with you, where you know you say maybe we are overly optimistic now I you know Steve you, I know you specialise in backing centre-backs to score first <laughs> I specialise in good value losing bets uh, that's always been my speciality and I think in in 20 to one Brentford uh, to finish top six I think you've got a very good value probable loser there I think they should be shorter uh, I think that when you look at that top six market you know you've got the top four are pretty much shoe-ins United the the biggest price of the four at one to 20. Then you've got Arsenal and Tottenham at 11 to 10, Everton two to one, Leicester 12 to five. Now, if there was the reverse of that, I'd be laying Tottenham and Leicester for whatever you got at 11 to 10 and 12 to five. We've seen precisely nothing so far this season to suggest that either one of those teams will finish in a top six. So by definition, therefore some of those teams in behind have got to be value. Uh, I think the Leeds are probably a bit of value at 12 to one because they've had a slow start. We're starting to see them trend towards in the right direction again. Uh, I think Everton might be a bit of value at two to one, but the, you know, the, they're not particularly juicy prices for what are, what is um, a bit of a punt. But Brentford, in terms of what we've seen so far, it's going to be an incredible effort for them to maintain that level of form. But from what we've seen so far, there's no way they're a 20-to-1 shot. You know, we see them go to teams like West Ham. We've seen, you know, and beat them at their own turf. Not many teams do that or have done that in the last 18 months or so. Seen them beating Arsenal on opening day. They're there by merit. And I don't see why they should be such a big price. I think the name and the trajectory they're on is being too much factored into that price for for a top six finish.
2: We've we've just put a, a market George on Ivan Toney's Premier League goals this season. So um, I, listen, I mean, I know he's absolutely <laughs> smashed it to bits the last two seasons, um, <laughs> and I'd be interested to know your thoughts on how many he'll he'll get this season.
1: What's he on now? Is it three or four, or is it two? It's two. I think it's on two. Okay, I reckon he will get thirteen goals.
2: Mm, yeah, that's a nine to four poke. Yeah, so we're okay. hmm, four mm, to bro. five, four to five, ten or fewer, eleven to 13, 9 to four. So we we we're kind of thinking around there. Um, I mean, seven, seventeen to nineteen. He's twelve to one, and, and, and twenty or more, which will be a fantastic season for him. Gareth Southgate will, will would have taken note by then, of course. He's a, he's a thirty-three to one shot to score twenty or more Premier League goals this season.
1: Another end of the market we're going to look at now is down towards the bottom end, because in more recent news, Watford sacked their manager, Cisco Munoz and replaced him with Claudio Ranieri. So to discuss with us how that will change things at Vicarage Road, introducing David Cameron Walker, our producer of this show and regular from the Rookery End podcast. Um, Dave? It's nothing new, is it? New manager to get used to. The old one goes. Uh, a few people watching on will think that seven points from seven games, uh, 14th placed after a promotion last season seems fairly harsh. But from what I'm seeing, Watford fans maybe think this is the right decision.
3: I think it is the right decision. We'll get into that more in detail in a second. But um, just to pick something up from the top of the show, I'm in Leightonstone, and about, <laughs> about two streets away from where David Beckham grew up and just down wow. the road from the from Whips Cross Hospital where he was born so
1: that is my it's my favorite it's my local hospital too so we you know we, we share that i'm not there now but it's one of my favorite facts is that david beckham was born in whips cross i think everybody yeah. should know that and appreciate <laughs> it i know <Amazing>. <laughs> yeah
3: <laughs> but yeah i mean i can i can completely understand why you know, the wider footballing world would look on at Watford again and sort of shake their head, roll their eyes and think, you know, what are they doing? There they go again, seven points from seven games, what's, what's the fuss? Um, but the performances have not been good. I think you know, that opening day win against Aston Villa was, I think we had a fair win behind us, it was, you know, it's the first day it was sunny, it was, fans were back in the stadium, new players and we kind of flew out the blocks and Got a few lucky goals, to be honest, that day, and we nearly, nearly messed it up. It could easily have been three all at the end that game. Um, after being three nil up, and then it's kind of been pretty poor ever since. We beat Norwich, but everyone beats Norwich unless you're Burnley. And you know, the, the the performances in defeats have been really, really bad. You know, especially that last one against Leeds last week. It just, you know, and the the board made reference to that in in their statement. They they acknowledged the fact that this isn't about league position about points on the board it's about performances trending downwards and if you look at our next eight fixtures i think that probably played a part in their thinking too because what next eight games after the international break are liverpool everton southampton arsenal man united leicester chelsea man city uh which is which is a hell of a run i mean you're only really looking at southampton at home on the 30th of october as kind of a Nailed on winnable game. Get Everton away, Leicester away, Arsenal away. Maybe you get a point out of one of one or two of those games, but it's 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 a really tough run. So I think somebody with the experience of Claudio Ranieri coming in, he's been there, he's done it, he's seen it all before. He won't be phased in the way that perhaps a very inexperienced manager like Cisco perhaps would have been.
2: David, the first four game, the next four games: Liverpool at home, Everton away, Southampton at home, Arsenal away. We've got a market on how many points. Combine Watford will get over
3: those four games. Could you give me your uh, expert uh, thoughts? I think four you know, four points would be optimistic. Beating Southampton at home and getting a point in one of the away games against Everton or Arsenal. You know, you can't really... Bank for any points against Liverpool at home, but I mean it's after an international break. I think Liverpool had been lobbying to get that game pushed back, uh, and the Premier League have said no um, because of you know the the situation with players returning from from South America, some of the Brazilian players. Um, so if you are going to catch Liverpool cold, like that's probably the only time you know it's, it's a Saturday lunchtime kickoff. So it's, it's the only time you, you you probably have a slither of a chance, but they'll still probably probably beat us. So I would say, I would go for four points would be a good return from those four.
2: Yeah, four to seven is is five to four. Uh, I'll just tell you that zero points is, is seven to one and eight to 12 points is, is 20 with one to three points at even. So you're probably, you're not zero that far away there. Seven to one? Yeah.
3: <laughs> oh, come
2: on.
1: <laughs> that sounds like it's an emotional hedge to me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah Dave, I mean, the one thing that's maybe surprised me um, was the decision in terms of who they hired next in Claudio Ranieri. Now, I was vocal on, on Twitter in the summer saying I thought it's fairly likely that Cisco would be moved on pretty early on in the season, given Watford's history. Um, their succession planning has generally been very good in the past in terms of who they look to bring in to replace the outgoing managers. Having a summer and having a couple of months in order to work out who they wanted to come in to replace Cisco, Ranieri, despite obviously being a, a very well-respected coach, somebody who who great job. Um, you know Premier League winner at Leicester who's managed Chelsea before but the most similar job he's had to this was was the Fulham job when which he took over um, from Slavica Kanovic after promotion in in a similar position after a poor start in the Premier League and and couldn't really do anything to arrest the slide. Are you surprised it's him? Are you positive about the appointment and what it might bring? I am a bit surprised that that it's him apparently there's some sort of relationship
3: between Gino Pozzo and Ranieri. I think I think Claudio's actually been a guest at some games in the last year or so. They kind of know each other, obviously both Italian. I'm sure their paths will have crossed at some point over the years, you know, when, when Claudio's been in Italy as well, because obviously Gino's involvement in Udinese over there as well. So they'll be familiar with each other. So that sort of makes sense. But in terms from a footballing point of view, yeah, I, I am a bit surprised that we've turned to Ranieri. I can kind of see what Watford have tended to do over the last few years, with these appointments, is go from one thing to another. The pendulum as swings in the opposite direction. Cisco was a, as a sort of brought in as a, an antidote to the surly, tactiturn, disciplinarian Vladimir Ivic last Christmas, and he was this inexperienced, fresh-faced, smiley, bouncy guy who got the place happy and got it all moving, but. As I say, the guy still managed only about 40-odd games in his whole career. So now they've gone for the most experienced manager out there. There's hardly anyone out there in the game that's as experienced as as Claudio Ranieri now. This is his 20th club job, I think. So I can kind of see what they're thinking. They want someone to come in who can steady the ship and can steer us through some potentially rocky waters over the next few weeks. But... The Fulham thing is the thing, is the big concern. He he's done okay, I think, at Roma and Sampdoria over the last few years. He sort of both times he came into them, those clubs when they were in bit of trouble and steered them to safety. The Fulham thing is is a concern because I think there is you know we're in a similar sort of position as what Fulham were in in terms of the, the results, but the squad it was kind of a bit of a mixed bag of new signings and players that are you know slightly unproven, younger players, older players, so. There are similarities there. I don't know if there are any mitigating circumstances at Ranieri's time at Fulham. I'm not sure exactly why that went wrong. Everyone was kind of expecting it to go well because it was his first job back in England after the miracle of Leicester City. You know, I'm under no illusions. I don't think we're going to be zooming up the table, and uh, I don't. I won't, I won't even ask you for a price, Steve, on Watford winning the league. <laughs> but I, I have to retain some optimism that he can come in and he can get us playing. And I think the big thing he needs to do is get the defence sorted out because we've been giving away goals. We've not kept a clean sheet yet and some of the goals we've conceded have been pretty pretty comical, really. So I think he needs to really just go back to basics with that defence, make us hard to beat, make us solid because we've got good players in, in forward areas who are quick, who can hit teams on the break. So if he wants to make us a tough sort of compact counter-attacking team. We've got the squad for him to do that.
1: Yeah, I mean, in fairness, the Sampdoria job he did do was similar to this and very, very good. You know, he took over Sampdoria back in 2019 when they were bottom of Syria. They finished 15th in the league that season and then last season finished 9th before he moved on. And I've seen a lot of um, talk about how well his side pressed. I think they ranked second or third for PPDA um, in Syria. So I think you can hopefully anticipate some high-intensity, high-pressing football, which I think Wat- Watford fans would like to see and, and would take on well. Price is... For relegation and and to stay up, Dave. Before I let you go, four to six to go down, eleven to ten to stay up. Meaning, for those who who maybe don't understand what the odds basically, more than fifty percent chance of relegation, less than half chance of staying up. Do you agree with that? I think so.
3: I think the thing the thing we've all been doing since the start of the season is who are going to be the three teams that could be worse than us because you know seventeenth is very much the express goal this season. Norwich tick. And then you're looking at maybe Burnley. I was speaking to the Athletics Burnley correspondent Andy Jones the other day, and he, he was very down about their start to the season and how they're performing, you know, despite the fact that Dice has just been given a big new contract. Um, so maybe them you know, then you were looking at Newcastle, but obviously with the developments of the last 24 hours and the takeover looks like it's about to go through, you're thinking, oh, January, they could... Who who knows what could happen with Newcastle? So it's it's you're still struggling, I think, to see who are that 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 sort of third team that might be might be beneath Watford. I think it'll be close. I think they'll be in the mix, but yeah, it's there's still a real chance we go down.
2: Yeah, I think the takeover is interesting there, David. What you mentioned with Newcastle, their price has eased over the last 24 hours. They were four to five for relegation. They're now actually 11 to eight for the drop. So the the news of it has, has, has certainly you know pushed them out in the relegation market at least.
1: Time now to move on to the international stuff, but thank you very much to Dave from the Rookery End and our producer on this show for giving us his thoughts on Cisco and Claudio Ranieri, the new Watford manager. Just a reminder as well that you can sign up to The Athletic and save 33% on access to the best newsroom in sports. That's just £3.33 a month for the entire year. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash football pod. It's important to us that the listeners are in control of their gambling This is a podcast for those who are 18 years of age and older and please ensure that you are only staking what you can afford to lose. Do visit BeGambleAware.org for any information to ensure that you're gambling responsibly.
0: Learn more at marines.com
1: Now the international break, Steve, is upon us. We're not going to spend too long going over it because, in fairness, the England match Saturday 7.45 away at Andorra isn't There's not a great deal to get our teeth into. There have been a couple of changes to the squad since we spoke last week. Ben Chilwell has come in. James Ward-Prowse has come in to replace Calvin Phillips. And I'm pretty sure Gareth Southgate must have been listening to my tirade against him, not... Uh, bringing Tammy Abraham into the into the squad because suddenly he was called up without even replacing anybody. So glad you're enjoying the pod, Gareth. Uh, hopefully you're enjoying what we're about to say about your side now uh, ahead of Saturday night's game. Uh, I'm actually going to the uh, Hungary game on, on Tuesday night at uh, Wembley as well but let's talk about Harry Kane first and foremost because he hasn't scored yet in the Premier League Uh, it was a a torrid summer for him in terms of of the the protracted move to Man City that never occurred here we come up against an Andorra side who have a plastic pitch Gareth Bale called it the worst pitch he's ever played on Harry Kane with his injury issues as well Uh, this just feels like not the one for I mean it, it should be the perfect game for Harry Kane to get back on the scoring trail but I'm a little bit concerned. Yeah, I think the
2: team ship will be interesting George. Could you imagine all the clubs with all their big money players looking at you know their the managers and the board looking at the the, the Andorra pitch. I uh, this this England team t- to face them. Listen there, what are they One to 50 currently to beat Andorra? I will be interested to, uh, to see the lineup. Um, players with with a history of injuries. Um, Harry Kane certainly falls into that bracket. I know he will be desperate for goals. He's still scoring for England. He's still scoring in the in the in the Conference League, the Europa Conference League, isn't he as well? Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Harry Kane doesn't start this, and maybe you know um, he's ready for the game that you're going to on on Tuesday night. Um, from a Premier League point of view, yes, I know there's a narrative about him not scoring in August, but there's also one. Not in September as well, which would be a, a little bit worrying. But he's he's having more shots. He had six against the Villa, um, only one of, of a decent note. Shame Dan's not here to to chat about that. He did have five the week before against Arsenal. But his XG, George, at the moment for the minutes that he's played, the quality that his shots he's having is similar to the likes of Triore and Trincao at Wolves. You know, he's he, he's on a par with those type of players at the moment. Nowhere near the the stellar type of um, of, of players that he's normally rubbing shoulders with. Um, but he has still got nine this season. He's got he's got one hat trick as well, and yeah, predictably I I do have a market for this on, on his total goals for the season. So again, I'd be interested to know your your thoughts. He's only sixteen to one to be top Premier League goalscorer, by the way. So bear that in mind when when you're going to give me his goal quote.
1: I, I still think. You know we've seen Harry Kane scores in in batches, and I think you can probably factor in at least five or six penalties that Spurs are going to get over the course of the season. So I'd still be anticipating that even a, a poor season for Kane, fifteen, sixteen goals, I, I think, is still on the agenda. Uh, and I mean, can we rule out the fact that he might be playing for for Manchester City for, for half the season as well? I mean, it's not it's not a massive it's price, factored in.
2: No, it's fact you know, it has to be factored in. You know these type of things. Um, it's seven to four for fifteen or fewer, which I thought was on the on the short side. I mean, his goal record, mm. as we know, I think the lowest amount in the, that he's had in a season. He's actually seventeen, um, and he got eight, and he's got eighteen. I think was the the season before that. But then he goes thirty, twenty nine, twenty five, and twenty one with a little bit of it, you know, an injury record on top of that. So, listen, he's 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 sixteen to one to score twenty five or more. Um, I'll probably be more leaning towards the 19 to 21, which is a three to one poke.
1: Interesting. I mean, I have a feeling there are going to be a few managers on the phone to Gareth Southgate ahead of this game, praying, asking him, begging him not to play some some key players, and one man who is featuring probably more than most people anticipated for Manchester City certainly more than a lot of Villa fans who were telling him he, he was leaving Villa to sit on the bench at the Etihad uh, is, is Jack Grealish who we didn't mention at the top of the show ended up playing as a, as a false nine for Manchester City on Sunday afternoon which I don't think worked particularly well but he's yet to break his England duck yet in 15 caps and he's somebody who often gets criticised for, for maybe a lack of output I mean, I've got my own thoughts on this, but I won't bore people with it, Steve. Uh, what, what what do you make of, of that argument um, that it's maybe used to put down Jack?
2: Well, I mean, Gareth listened to you on this as well, didn't he? By getting, uh, by, by Jack. <laughs> Eventually. To <the> squad. Yeah. <laughs> Took well, <obviously>, a while. <laughs> isn't that right, Gareth? No. Um, I mean, I, 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 I do speak to Villa fans about Jack now. He's at Manchester City and I kind of say, well, he's not the main man anymore. He's playing within himself. You know, he's all, he's all a little bit safe side to side. And, Clearly, you know, looking at his at his England record and you know the the amount of appearances that he had, he 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 hasn't scored, which will be a concern. I mean, he only scored six for Aston Aston Villa last season, mainly from the left side of the penalty area. I was looking earlier; he had fifty one shots last season and only six goals. Uh, Danny Ings had fifty one shots last season and he got twelve goals. So, it's not a big part of his game. Is he goal scoring? Clearly, he's. He's played a lot of minutes so far for Manchester City, 592. And for a player to come in to a big club like City and, and pe- picking him straight away, maybe he's not doing you know, so bad after all. You know, his goal against Norwich was rather fortuitous, wasn't it? I think it missed mm. three players and just hit him and, and went in. He had a decent chance against Chelsea as well. If you ask me, so, you know, how is he doing so far at Man City? Probably be a, a seven and a half out of ten. But clearly there's a lot of scope to go on and prove him uh, to be a million, a uh, hundred million pound footballer.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm personally excited. I mean, I love Calvin Phillips as a player, but I think it's been at times frustrating to see England playing with with two defensive minded midfielders, even though I I think both Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice uh, have underrated qualities on the ball. There's no denying that their responsibility in the side is a defensive one. Uh, And with Phillips out, we're going to have to see Southgate release the shackles, I guess, a little bit in midfield. Uh, He's got a few options. James Ward Prowse. is the player who replaces Phillips, and I'm sure we'll get minutes. We might see Mason Mount, who's back from injury as well, um, coming to the side in a more withdrawn role, which I think would suit him well. I think him and Rice would enjoy playing together, and they would have a, especially against weaker opposition, um, would, would it be able to control the game from a more attacking standpoint. Uh, Jordan Henderson, another who's probably likely to, to get minutes. So interested to see how that's going to work out. Uh, I've spent hours this morning in my hotel over breakfast with my 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 coffee trying to find a way to find a a tip in this one Steve it's not easy when you've got (laughs) England being such a short price favorite but I've got a 15 to 2 tip which I I know I was trying to find something just like a bet builder or whatever but I think Tyrone Mings at 15 to 2 to score anytime looks a massive price I I can't really work out why a six foot five aerially dominant centre-back who's scored six goals for Aston Villa in in 100-odd appearances, who goes forward for every set piece. We know that England's centre-backs have a pretty good goal-scoring record against Minnows. Um, For Kaio Tomori, who, you know, there's every chance that Mings won't play, of course, um, but so you might want to wait for the team but tomorrow is 11-2 in the same market 15-2 to two seems way too big and when you factor in as well that there's a fair chance it'll be James Ward-Prowse putting in the free kicks in the corners you've got to upgrade the the likelihood of a centre back scoring so in the end it was pretty easy having fiddled around with corners and bet builders and all this stuff it was actually just an anytime <laughs> goal scorer bet that hopefully will get us we had a couple of winning bets uh, last week as well you mentioned Milner's yellow card uh, I tipped up the draw at 9-4 to four as well in, in, in Brighton Arsenal so fingers crossed a few people following what we have to and hopefully, you know, not too many bets available for this one, um, but maybe that 15 to 2 shot a bit of value for, for those who are looking for something over the, over the course of the weekend. Still, time to remind you to sign up to The Athletic and benefit from the hindsight of some of the best sports writers in the business for just £3.33 a month by heading to TheAthletic.com forward slash football pod. Thank you very much to Steve. As I said, get well soon. Dan, looking forward to having you back with us next week, and remember to hit subscribe. So that you never miss a show. Leave us a review if you're feeling generous. You've been listening to the Athletic Football Podcast. Have a great weekend. The Athletic.